Sharon Myron, current county commissioner, Multnomah County District 1, including the west side of the limit, including Sylvie's Island on the east side from 84 south of Cesar Chavez. Running for a second term, Dr. Sharon Myron is. We'll talk about COVID-19. We'll talk about what the county's response is, and we'll talk some about that re-election bid. Commissioner, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing, first of all? Uh, doing uh, doing okay. Changes moment to moment. Doing okay right now. How is the county commission dealing with this? First of all, pers- and personally in terms of getting work done, and then also want to talk about the county's role in public health and how your workload, how your decision-making structure has changed uh, over the last two months. Yeah. Um, well, the county as you know, up and up until this point, I think uh, a lot of people didn't know what uh, the county, what county government did, what it was. Uh, still may not know, but uh, we we have played a tremendous role in uh, the response to the COVID nineteen crisis. Uh, because in addition to being the county commission, we also are the local public health authority, and uh, and um, so we are uh, the ones that respond to these kinds of uh, events and public. We do a lot for public health. Normally, it flies under the radar a lot of time, uh, but kind of taking the lead here. Um, but the structure does really uh, does change with this kind of an event. And so we uh, immediately, I mean, the, count, the county responded very rapidly to this crisis um, and immediately stood up uh, the Emergency Operations Center, the EOC, and, uh, and it does change the structure a lot. So there's been a lot of shifting of positions, uh, sort of the hierarchy has changed um you know and uh and a lot of power is vested in the chair during a time of emergency so uh chair Kafori declared um you know declared the emergency uh to begin with uh has issued executive orders uh but the board is involved you know is is aware of and is participating in decision making throughout this process What's the most important thing, or maybe the two or three most important things you think the county has done? We've done a lot of reporting, communicated a lot about uh, gubernatorial orders, governor's orders, and as you said, the county is the front line in for government services on so much of the public health apparatus. What are the two most important, two or three most important things the county's done? The county, uh, it, it is hard to separate out. From, from the state, the county has led uh, a lot of the efforts issuing uh, the moratorium on, uh, on uh, evictions, for example, uh, and, uh, but then that was also done at the state level. So we try to align, but really are the front line out there. Um, we're, uh, we get together the, the teams to do to do the contact tracing, for example, is what we're um, arranging right now. We're figuring out what our strategy will be for the phased reopening, because that will be a county-by-county uh, approach. So we're 
we're trying to figure out now weighing and balancing uh, all that goes into uh, into that reopening, including the the, the economics, um, the issues with regard to um, possible transmission of infection, uh, and and everything in between. How is housing that? Home, oh, go ahead. Do you have to throw in housing and homelessness? Yeah. Uh, the county uh, really took bold and aggressive action early on to ensure that. Um, our, our homeless population, which is which is at high risk because they're living in congregate settings, um, have uh, are very vulnerable to uh, getting uh, COVID for a number of reasons. Uh, just stepped in and um, instituted uh, the spacing, um, you know, the six feet, the social distancing in the shelters stood up rapidly to new shelters um, and then to additional shelters for people with COVID so that they wouldn't, um, the transmission wouldn't happen in uh, the facilities themselves. How is the balancing going? And by prelude, now I see that Marion County is trying to reopen starting on the 15th, even though their uh, case rate, I think, among counties in the state is the highest of any of Oregon's 36 counties. That feels relatively potentially controversial, shall we say. Uh, meanwhile, we know with the new data that uh, the health department is coming out with based on zip code that East Portland has got, what, two-thirds of the COVID-19 cases in at least city of Portland. Uh, what is How is the rebalancing discussion happening right now in the county commission in Multnomah? Yeah, well, one thing, I was... Um, I has been pushing for uh, transparency and accountability throughout the state uh, for, you know, during this, since the beginning of this crisis. And I think there have been some challenges there. Um, I am glad that zip code, you know, that some of the information is coming out. But the problem with the zip codes is that it, it came out out of the blue with no narrative to explain how or why or what people um, should take from this information uh, just kind of appeared out there. And without understanding uh, a little bit more about that, uh, people can become scared or jump to conclusions about, oh my gosh, there's a, you know, here's where the outbreak is. And what we need to do is provide information and um alleviate people's uncertainty and fear rather than sort of sporadically throw out something without without explanation that can actually worsen the explanation that uh, i want to hear or your explanation what was striking to me is that my you know the neighborhoods that i where i live and and used to serve are getting hit harder and Lake yeah. Oswego and West Lynn are getting hurt, hit not as hard. And we can take any, draw any number of conclusions. The first one that occurred to me, I suppose, is that, well, if you look at people who have essential work that puts them in contact with other human beings, people who might work at Amazon, people who might work at a grocery store, people who might have to cut, you know, work at a, at a gas station and have to pass money back and forth. Uh, yeah, maybe there's a 
plastic screen, but they're still coming in contact with human beings, are more likely to live between, you know, 82nd and 162nd Avenue. What's the, but that could be relatively a cursory explanation. What do you think is the context that people need to know before they draw the wrong conclusions? Um, well, again, I don't, I think big picture, what this shows us um, is potentially uh, one of the things that we were already aware, that um, low-income communities, communities of color uh, in particular, uh, low uh, immigrant refugee communities are hit much harder um, by the COVID-19 um, crisis than others. There are tremendous disparities. And what this is, you know, a lot of the information that we are trying to collect, and I think we are, again, leading the way at the county, is the demographic information that shows who is being uh, hit hard. And what this shows is exactly what you're saying. It's so often um, these uh, these communities, black, indigenous, people of color, uh, have underlying health conditions that make them more uh, susceptible to COVID-19. They live in congregate settings. They may live in multi-generational settings. They may live, uh, you know, many uh, more uh, family members uh, in in a single, um, you know, in a single apartment, which makes transmission more susceptible. They're on the front line doing the hardest work and that essential work, which also exposes them to the virus. Uh, and so um, I think that's one thing that we're seeing. We're seeing healthcare inequities and disparities that have existed all along in these communities being highlighted and magnified by um, and exacerbated by this virus. But it also could suggest that maybe this community, uh, and um, to be honest, I'm not sure which area Foster Creek is, but if you have one congregate setting, one nursing home, one facility where there's an outbreak, it may be a tremendous number of people impacted, uh, but it's contained within that environment. So it could be one facility within that zip code had a significant number of cases, but it is limited to that. So I, I don't know. This this gives a lot of food for thought, and it is important that we do think through this and um, provide some of that background, what this could be, what this could be telling us, and look into it more deeply. No, even on my street, right, we've got, I think, two or three. Well, it depends on how you define the street. If you take a brief right turn, I think it's three uh, adult care facilities, right? A lot of the adult care facilities uh, in uh, the Portland area are in East yeah. Portland because it's where the land was a little bit cheaper, where the housing was a little bit cheaper, and therefore you yeah. could, you know, take some place that wasn't wasn't some sort of, you know, old Ellis Lawrence house uh, <laughs> and either convert it or tear it down and build up something new where you could fit, you know, 16 seniors, you know, some other, you know, eight people with, uh, with only, you know, just one or two uh, residential yeah. care service providers. Uh, the but yeah, Foster Creek is in in outer sea, is in outer southeast, right? I'm looking for the address here. Uh, I see it. Yeah. It's uh, uh, it is still officially in Portland, and yeah, it's just it's it's east of it's east of 205. It's basically at the at the southeast corner 
of town. Mm-hmm. And it, for people who know, we covered the quick six, but uh, that has just been shut down by the governor, just been shut shut down by the health department because it's the it's a significant COVID-19 hotspot. Uh, yep. So you went to medical school, medical school. You also went to law school. Before that, you studied economics. Whether we say that you had divergent foci or you just had a, you know, a, a significant uh, realm of curiosity and interest, right? That is for the viewer to decide. But in med- when you were in medical school, what did it prepare you, or did you guys did y'all cover the possibility of significant global pandemics? Uh, what was something in your background, if anything, that gave you some window into what we're looking at now? Yeah, um, nothing. Nothing prepared me for this ex- this exact situation. Um, historically, I've always been just personally interested in infectious disease um, and and this kind of thing. So I, um, you know, I took the coursework in infectious disease epidemiology, um, and so so we do study these kinds of things. And um, you know the the Spanish flu uh, epidemic um, pandemic. So yeah, we we do learn about these things, and we also learn a general public health approaches and ways to um, to uh, um, evaluate data, and and so kind of putting all all that together uh, it does provide a really good framework for um, addressing something like this to the extent it it can't but it but no it's mind-boggling it's something something I literally would never have imagined four months ago one of your policy foci focuses has been mental health significant overlap between what's happening now the challenges people are facing now and mental health challenges right yeah I mean I don't mean that that's a underlying condition that increases one's likelihood to contract or die from COVID-19. But it does, there are more people right now in our state, presumably, being impacted by mental health challenges than have been diagnosed with COVID-19. Oh, I mean, this is, you are absolutely right. Um, There has been such a um, lack of focus on mental health as a you know as as health i think that that is something like with many things mentioned earlier is being highlighted by the crisis and exacerbated by the crisis but no mental health is um one of the biggest and behavioral health which includes both mental health and substance use disorder but that is one of the biggest issues facing uh, the county, the state, the country. And, you know, I think that um, the statistic now is horrifying statistics about rates of suicide uh, and the number of uh, youth that die by suicide. I think it's the number one, I can't remember now if it's the first or second leading cause of death. Um, in youth in Oregon uh, is is death by suicide. It is it is an epidemic and a public health crisis. I would talk about it that way um, 
that is impacting our youth, our elders, uh, and everyone in between. And there has been uh, really a vacuum of leadership to deal with this at a political level. There has been uh, a vacuum of resources and um, COVID-19 is only sort of uh, highlighting, highlighting what's out there. And mental health is huge right now. Um, this is such a tremendous issue. The fallout is going to, um, is going to last for a very long time. Uh, I would, you know, I have been having a lot of difficulty dealing with the challenges of COVID and just the stay home and the uncertainty. And I am privileged to have a home and to have food that I can easily access. And I, I have a job and to be, and, and it's still so difficult and to be having any challenges uh, like so many people are facing with uh, loss of livelihood and, um, you know, having your kids at home doing online school and trying to figure that out and uh, just all of it is really, really hard, plus the isolation. What should uh, we be doing about it? What should the county be doing about it? What are you doing it, doing about it? And if you're elected to a second term, what will you be doing about it? So uh, recognizing that this, uh, the issues have taken uh, kind of decades of neglect to develop over time, uh, it's going to take a, a little while to get back on track. But um, one of the first things that I did was sponsor a deep systems analysis of actually what what do we do with the county? I'd been hearing, I'd, I'd been feeling like we had a fragmented system, wasn't sure what was happening, but but I didn't, no one could explain it to me. Uh, and so did the first deep systems analysis throughout the county to identify sort of what what people's experience of our system was, what really was out there so we could take the next steps and um, I really envision transforming our system into a holistic, person-centered uh, approach with true parity with physical health. And, um, you know, that involves workforce. It's tied deeply into housing uh, and homelessness issues. It's tied into our criminal justice system. Uh, and it, it is so um, complex. Uh, and the, all of those are the issues that the county fundamentally deals with. But we need to stop siloing approaches. We need to recognize that interconnection and focus on it. So um, the analysis that I'd sponsored has a number of recommendations. Um, before COVID hit, we have a, a steering committee um, of folks who are beginning the process of actually putting recommendations into action. We're talking to we're talking to Sharon Myron, uh, County Commissioner, also County Commissioner for Re-election. You're listening to X-ray in the morning. I'm Jefferson Smith. It's going to be news with my dad in just a few minutes as we wrap with the good doctor, uh, Commissioner Myron. What would you say if you were going to name like one or two of the most important recommendations that you're working to implement from that steering committee to address mental health challenges in the county that seem also most important now in light of the global pandemic, what would they be? Housing. 
that that's first and foremost and I encourage everyone to vote for the Here Together uh, measure which is supportive housing for uh, chronically homeless and uh, and also um, the in terms of resourcing addressing the Oregon State Hospital it is the elephant in the room and so much of how we are responding. And what do you mean by addressing? What do you mean by addressing? You mean uh, getting better staff, more staff, shutting it down, having it in multiple facilities? What does addressing it mean? Uh, um, whole, it's gonna, that would be a whole other conversation I'd love to have, but it uh, briefly close down, start to close it down, start to uh, close dorms and redirect those resources to um, local residential uh, treatment services. The cost, the cost of the Oregon State Hospital is, the, um, I believe, the highest proportion of our uh, healthcare general, the general fund that we spend on healthcare. It's um, hundreds of millions of dollars, and uh, I believe it was six six hundred million. I I would need to get the specifics, but. It's not reimbursable by Medicaid, and our general fund, our most valuable resources that could be spent on anything, the highest discretion we have, we're funneling into the state hospital where the outcomes are not so great, and it's so often people who have committed low-level crimes, nonviolent, non-person crimes who might end up there. We need to redirect those resources to the county, close the units. It's going to be tough but redirect that money so the counties can do what they know how to do best as local mental health authorities and support people um, close to home with the best treatment. What's the success you're proudest of in your first term in the County Commission? Um, I I really um, think it's uh, related to mental health care. It's raising the profile in the county, doing the first ever uh, deep dive, uh, and it is proactively uh, developing an approach that can tra- transform the system. Had a youth mental health uh, event where uh, I think it was a 150 or more youth from all over the county came to talk about the deep issues they're facing and think about solutions. Um, I think the engagement, collaboration, and uh, really ideas and work towards solutions um, is, is the first time that's happening at the county for mental health. And probably the last question we got time for, again, talking to Dr. Sharon Myron, County Commissioner, County Multnomah. County Multnomah, that's a weird way to say it, but that's how I said it. Uh, um, in addition to raising awareness, in addition to convening a task force or steering committee, in addition to uh, studying the issue and trying to figure out and how to recognize that it's more integrated, any measurable impact yet or any particular initiative that's showing results, or is it still just too early because it's complex and we're way behind? Um, I would say it's, it is complex and we're way behind, and we're making a tremendous difference. Um, that it was just a long ways to go, 
and we need to continue to see that measurable difference. Anything I should have asked you that I didn't? I no, I think you did a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner Sharon Thanks. Meyer, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. Thank you so much, Jefferson. It's good to talk to you. Be well and thanks for your service.